mm-hmm. first I didn't want to do South Africa because um, I told my advisor, what can I kind of gain from doing something familiar? Mm. She was like, you know, going by yourself and for three months, it could be like a completely different experience than when you go with your family. And that's exactly how it was. I mean, by the time I left, I was saying things like, oh, I'm not really keen on that. Or like, oh, how's it? (laughs) (laughs) And when my my parents came toward the end of the trip, it was so cool because it's like, oh, let's go to this place. Like, it was like I was not a local, but I'm like, oh, this place has like the best service, the best food, X, Y, Z. You were (laughs) the tour guide. (laughs) <laughs> I was exactly and um, I showed them where I did my internship and I'm like oh yeah this is the way I would go this is um these are the children who I've been talking about for months like it was really cool Won't you come along with me? hello hello Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Naledi as the guest. Now, I'm aware that it has actually been three weeks and not the typical two weeks (laughs) since the last time I put out an episode. You know, I edit on weekends, every other weekend, and I realized I wanted to have Easter weekend to myself. So I took an extra week off from the show to make that happen, and now I'm back with a new guest and a new episode for Young Gifted and Abroad. And just like my friend Kristen from episode 91, Naledi is actually one of the black girls who was in the same political science and public affairs department as me in undergrad, more specifically James Madison College at Michigan State University. And I remember interacting with Naledi a couple of times while we were um, both on campus. But you know, it's been a few years, so we got to be reintroduced to each other thanks to my good friend Marley, who is also a previous guest from episode 19. So thanks to Marley for referring Naledi to me and putting us in touch with each other. Naledi is originally from Michigan and currently lives in Los Angeles. And Naledi studied abroad three times in undergrad. First was an alternative spring break, volunteering in Merida, Mexico. And then she did a two-week comparative social policy program in London. I'm pretty sure that's the same program that Kristen from episode 91 did, just in a different year. And then Naledi did a three-month internship at a children's hospital in Cape Town, South Africa. So we talked about each of those experiences and how they impacted Naledi in unexpected ways. For instance, volunteering in Mexico led her to find the belonging that she'd been looking for on campus in the Latino community at MSU and that actually led her to becoming more involved in the black community as well, the black student community at MSU as well. And then studying in London helped her see America in a new light. (laughs) It was a comparative program after all, so you know, looking at America and the UK side by side really opened her eyes in terms of how certain systems are structured 
And then being in Cape Town allowed Naledi to experience South Africa in a new way. Um, she had already been there multiple times because her dad is South African. But a lot of those visits were concentrated around Johannesburg and were spent visiting family. Whereas in Cape Town, completely different city, she got to experience living as a local by herself. So that was a surprisingly new and informative experience for her as well. And of course we talked about lots of other fun things like the sorority that Naledi is in and what the phrase keep a string on your potato means. <laughs> I'm excited for y'all to hear about that. And also how she went from being pre-med in undergrad to now being about to graduate with her master's degree and shift into a career in marketing. And Naledi is also someone who loves giving advice, so of course she had some really valuable gems to share for people interested in studying abroad or just in traveling in general. So yeah, lots of really great things to look forward to in this episode. And Naledi is hilarious. I hope you will enjoy listening to her as much as I did. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Naledi Makene. And I appreciate you making the time to talk to me today on this 420. I don't know if you celebrate. I feel weird saying happy 420 because I don't know if that's something everybody celebrates. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. I feel that. But um, yeah, it's really great to get to talk to you. I'm glad that Marley put us in touch with each other. So I actually like do, I feel like we did cross paths a couple of times at MSU. So I feel like it's not- face person and so I like if I saw a picture of you I'd probably be like oh yeah like I remember her yeah <laughs> so yeah because I, I was gonna say it's nice to meet you but I I feel like I <laughs> I remember you and maybe you don't remember me but that's okay um it's like re-meeting um <laughs> so I love that <laughs> but yeah thanks for agreeing to be a guest and why don't we get started with you introducing yourself a bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, so hi everyone, I'm Naledi. Um, I'm currently living in Los Angeles, California, and um, I'm doing a career transition to marketing, and I'll be graduating from Arizona State University with a master's in um, digital audience strategies pretty soon here, but prior to that, I spent four and a half years at Michigan State University, go green. Um, I did three study abroad while I was there, which was amazing. And obviously, we're going to get into that in a little bit. Um, But other than that, yeah, I was a James Madison student and I graduated with a degree in social relations and policy. But um, I'm also an aspiring polyglot, um, emphasis on aspiring because I don't necessarily do a lot of the required tasks to be a polyglot, but (laughs) yeah, I was a a French minor for a time until I kind of had to drop that if I wanted to graduate within a certain time frame. But yeah, that's a little bit about me and yeah, I'm just living life and happy to be here. 
Oh, well, that's great. That's great. Um, so many things going for you. I didn't realize that you were um, in grad school. That's really impressive. And you're finishing up soon, right? So Yeah, I can't wait. I graduate in, I think, exactly three weeks. Mm. Gosh, the time flies, I tell you. <laughs> Is there going to be like an in-person ceremony? Yeah, I'm super excited because I was a little worried about that. Um, like with the pandemic and everything, but I'm excited to do it in person. I'm excited that, you know, my family and I, we get to be there and celebrate. And I think sometimes uh, when we're pursuing higher ed, just because a lot of it's so common or, you know, we say that it's common, but I remember in high school, I had a teacher who said that only 25% of U.S. adults have bachelor's degrees, so I shouldn't necessarily say that it's common, but mm. sometimes it can just feel like, oh, like, whatever, I'm doing this thing, but sometimes I have to pause and, like, really give myself a pat on the back and mm -hmm. be like, you know, it's good for you for striving to do something and wanting to get educated in something and being committed to being, like, a lifelong learner and, you know, buckling down and getting it done, so I have to sometimes stop and Pat myself on the back. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You deserve that. And congratulations to you on, um, you know, getting this degree to help you make this transition into marketing and and uh, whatever else it is that you have in mind that you want to do. That's really exciting. Thank you so much. Yeah, yes, of course. You're very welcome. It's so funny you mentioned um, ASU because... ASU was the the place that I took my well I didn't take the class but like I sat in on my first ever French class college level French class was at ASU. Oh my gosh, that's so cool! <laughs> because I was visiting my um my dad and my stepmom at the time. This was when I was in high school. So I told I was telling my stepmom I wanted to study French and all this stuff. And so she actually like called. I think she called around at ASU or looked up to see who to call in the French department and like arranged for me to sit in on a class. And I was like so scared because I was like, oh, no, they're going to be talking and I'm not going to understand anything. <laughs> or uh, so I was really, really nervous. But it was it was so much fun. It was a literature class. And they were even though I was scared, I don't think I really talked or anything. It was like, oh, yeah, this is what I have to look forward to. And like my college French classes when I go off to school. So I always remember ASU fondly for that one <laughs> experience that I had. <laughs> That's amazing. And that's so like, that's really intense that you started out with a French literature class, too. I love that for you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> it, I mean, and it was just the one time, right? But it, it meant a lot like that. But it's my, still impressive. Yeah. And um, I, yeah, I just really appreciate my, my stepmom for going out of the taking the initiative to do that. So um, but anyway, I didn't mean to go on a tangent about myself. I wanted to ask, uh, you said you want you are an aspiring polyglot so you know what languages are you wanting to become you know fluent or proficient in um is french still one of those languages oh yes like i have my phone settings in french because i'm i really don't want to lose a lot i mean i've already lost so much of it since you know i don't go to class every day and this and that um or i don't have as many people to practice with so i try to surround myself with it by, you know, listening to podcasts and making my phone in French. Um, but mm. other than that, I also want to get a lot better at Spanish. I have a, you know, French helps 
with the Spanish, like I can actually read Spanish pretty well mm-hmm. um, with the combination of obviously knowing English, some French, and then knowing a little bit of Spanish, you know, it can get you by, but I want to be able to have conversations and um, actually speak the language, especially living in Los Angeles. There's so many people here who speak Spanish and um, I just got to get with the program. Like <laughs> there's so, like there's so many opportunities for me to learn and speak Spanish here. Um, so I should get better at that. And then my dad is South African. He speaks Tswana or Tswana for short, which is one of the, I think 13, I think there's 13 official languages of South Africa. So that's one of them. And so I speak a little bit of that and mm. I would love to speak more of it. Like I would love to just live in South Africa for a year and just, but um, I mean, I'd studied abroad to South Africa, but Cape Town um, is, that's the thing about being from a country where there's 13 official languages. You go to different parts of the country and people speak different things. So Cape Town, Setswana is not so common. Mm. So I would love to just, you know, spend like a year in Botswana or like spend a year in Johannesburg or something and really learn Setswana. I'm rambling a bit, but other than that, so those are the, in addition to English, those are the other three that I would really love to be fluent in. But I'm also um, interested in some business stuff. So I'm like, okay, if I'm going to go into business and whatnot, I got to add Mandarin and Arabic to the list. Okay, mm. So it's like, <laughs> I would love to be just, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I love languages. I love, like, learning about different cultures. I love traveling. And so, gosh, if I could speak... You know, people ask you the question about what your superpower would be. Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it, I don't want to do any of that lame stuff like flying or something like that. That would be amazing to speak every language mm. that there is. That would be my chosen superpower. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a really good choice as far as superpowers go. I don't know why I never considered that one. I guess I don't think about that question a lot. <laughs> but I, know, um, I don't either. <laughs> I didn't think about that until literally just now. So thanks for asking these questions and probing me to think about these things, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. That's that's why we're we're here. So um yeah. So lots of languages that you're interested in and um I think people think when you get older that uh, maybe it is harder as you get older, but you know, if that's like what you're really passionate about then yeah, I don't see why not, why you wouldn't be able to learn all those languages and use them to your advantage or just like, like you said, use them to learn more about different cultures and things like that. So yeah, that's cool. Inspiring. That's awesome. So, so as you mentioned, you, excuse me, you studied abroad three times at MSU. If I remember correctly, it was Mexico. You did an alternative spring break volunteering in Mexico and then you did it was an SRP program in London. Yes. And then social relations and policy. I don't know if for non non Madison people listening to this. Um <laughs> I know, I'm kinda giggling because I'm like, man, I haven't heard the term SRP in so long because I'm so used to being around people who don't know yeah. what that is. So I'm like giggling a little bit to myself. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Are you good? You good? And then you did um as you mentioned, you were in South Africa in Cape Town for uh an internship. I think that's Yep. I think that's those are the three. Too. You got it. Yeah. You know, what made you, I mean, I guess you kind of alluded to it already with your interest in other cultures, but like, what made you want to, um, 
go abroad while you were at MSU. And um, I think Mexico was first, if I'm not mistaken. So, that, yeah, you said it in the right order, okay. the right amount of time and everything. You, you got it spot okay. on. Awesome. I was trying to remember what, keep, remember what Marley told me so I wouldn't have to um, have you repeat too much of the like the basic info. So, yeah. So what made you want to go abroad and why did you decide to go to Mexico? Yeah. So, you know what? I My parents, uh, me and my brother were so blessed to have been well-traveled when we were young. So when I started college, I automatically knew I wanted to study abroad. Mm. But at that, actually, when I started school, I was really dead set on um, this program that they have. I think it's a six-week program in France, in the northern France, where you just study French for like six weeks. And that was the program that I had my eye on. And I was trying to think, oh, when am I going to do this in the four years and I'm going to be here, blah, blah, blah. But I remember spring break, my freshman year of college, I run into my friend um, after spring break. He's just come back from this study abroad to Mexico, and he's just gushing about how it was an amazing time and we have to go next year, blah, blah, blah. And so I always kind of remembered that. I put it in the back of my head. And I think also I kind of saw how he seemed very connected with the people who he went on the study abroad with. And so I'm like, okay, well, like Miko is like, he clearly had a really good time. So let me, you know, put it, put it on my shoulder in case I want to keep it on my mind. And so that December, I think you had to apply by December or something. So December, my sophomore year, I applied, um, got into the program and I mean, it was, yeah, it was amazing. It was, in retrospect, a very pivotal moment in my college career. Mm. Um, I don't know if I'm, am I rambling too much? I don't know no, if you want you're me to good. go further into that. No, please, please talk away. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I realized that it was a pivotal moment because, so, you know, the study abroad was great. It was fun. We, you know, we volunteered, we partied, uh, we made friendships. It was amazing. And then <laughs> when we came back, I think I was messaging someone from the trip and, um, oh, this is what happened. I was having so much fun on the trip that I was like, how do I stay connected with everybody? Because this particular study abroad um, was one that was hosted or like organized by a campus program mm. called CAMP, uh, College Assistant Migrant Program. That's a program at MSU. Basically, it's um, a diversity initiative where they target students who come from a migrant working background or their families have a migrant working background and so those children or why did I say children <laughs> like I think now because as a 28 year old mm. I think of 18 19 year olds as children, <laughs> children. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess when they recruited them into the program they were like 17 year old children mm. but anyways um <laughs> So a lot of those students are of Mexican descent. So I think that that they think it's nice, like, okay, like we're going to, you know, get them to go on the study abroad and we're going to take them to Mexico and it'll be a volunteer experience. And so when I was on the trip, I was like, well, you know, how do I stay connected with everyone, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, you know, you can go to crew or you can go to IEM or IEV, I think it was called international something volunteers which those were the people who helped to organize the Mexico trip. And so when I got back, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to a crew meeting. And it was like, I don't even know. I remember the first time I walked in the crew room 
it's just so lively like it felt I don't know it was just a friendly environment and it's so funny because some of the people that I met on that trip I still talk to to this day like I just went and grabbed um, a drink with somebody um, who I met on that trip. Uh, I have another friend who, like, she came and stayed with me a few months ago, and I met her on that trip. And I just became very ingrained in MSU's Latino community after that. I ended up going on to become co-chair of uh, CREW, that organization that I mentioned. And so, and just building, like, lifelong or hopefully lifelong friendships. It, it seems like now they're going to be lifelong. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, like I just built a lot of long-lasting friendships and meaningful experiences because I stayed connected with those people after that study abroad. Mm. Oh, wow. That's, that's awesome. I'm really glad that you uh, were able to stay connected and make so many long-lasting friends. Um, and for people who don't know, what, what is CREW? What does that mean? Oh, so it stands for uh, Culturas de las Razas Unidas. Um, and so that's just the Latino student organization on campus. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with CREW, which was like the religious organization that was also on campus or the sport crew. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the one you were involved with was the, the Latino student organization, um, yeah. at, which you got involved with as a result of doing the alternative break in Mexico. Yeah. Um, and then I should clarify also for the listeners, I, I'm, I identify as black and African. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I was kind of stepping into a space that I was um, otherwise unfamiliar with, if that makes sense. Mm. And I mean, how did that feel being that you were like becoming more involved in a culture that was not your own or that you weren't um, familiar with up until that point? Well, you know what? I think I was like used to it at that point because I had also kind of done that in high school. Like I've just always been somebody who's so interested in other cultures. Um, Like prior to my job now, I worked at a hostel uh, coordinating programs for travelers. And so I had previously done that with like Muslim students. Like there was an Indian student association in high school. And uh, I know a lot about French culture. And then, of course, I know a lot about South African culture, um, even like Canadian culture. My grandparents live in Canada now. They left South Africa and moved to Canada. And just, yeah. um, I don't know. I just, I, I, oh, this is like not necessarily getting so much into travel. But, um, you know, I grew up in a predominantly white town. So mm-hmm. I feel like for young black people who that's their situation, when you interact with other young black students, if they are not from a predominantly like non-black town sometimes your blackness comes into question and this and that so I feel like I was struggling with some of that and so I just feel like the Latino community at MSU kind of like took me under their wing there's no other way to describe it it was like if I can speak freely it felt like the sense of community I wanted with other young black people without the judgment of whether or not I would be Latino enough to like hang out with them. Mm. If that makes sense. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It was, and you know, since then things have been different. Like um, I joined Alpha Kappa Alpha and that was amazing for that. um, I guess questioning of blackness journey. Mm. I thought about joining a Latina sorority, but I was like, no, I, I, 
love people of different cultures, but I am black and like, I'm not going to let people make me think that I'm not black enough because I talk certain way or I act a certain way, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but th- I'm getting very like off track. This isn't no, even about study abroad anymore. No, <laughs> this is great. This is great. I'm just listening. I mean, it's all part of your journey, right? Um, part of your, yeah. your growth as a person. And so study abroad obviously is a big part of that. And like the main reason why we're sitting here talking, but you know, all the other stuff is connected to it too. So no, you're, you're great. You don't have to worry about rambling or talking about stuff that's unrelated. Like you're, it's all good. Oh, that's so interesting. You went from feeling like judged or like you weren't seen as black enough. So going from that to becoming an AKA, I didn't realize you were an AKA. That's like, <laughs> that's I'm like cool the K. black that's sorority. Like so you went from like I, one, one extreme to not an extreme, but you know what I mean? You went from like, you know, kind of feeling outside of things to being an AKA. I don't know. That just seems like a, a 180 <laughs> considering how you <laughs> describe feeling left out um, amongst the black students. <laughs> I know. Oh, it was like, it, it's a wild, crazy journey. Let me tell you that. It's yeah. like, it's funny how life works, but I knew that, um, I knew that I wanted to join AKA when, again, this is off track, but I I went to, you know, informationals for all the Latina sororities. I kind of was like, oh, like, you know, I kind of found one that I was like, okay, I like this one. But I realized, oh, I think I like this one because it kind of reminds me. It's like the Latina version of AKA. And I'm like, well, if I'm looking, like, if I feel comfortable in the Latina version of AKA, like, I'm not going to let other people scare me off or make me feel like I'm not good enough to be an AKA or, you know, and then also it's like all secretive and whatnot. Like I said, I refer to myself as a cool K, like, um, you know, I'm not, you know, I get discretion and, oh God, people are going to be mad at me. (laughs) I'll leave it at that. I'm a cool K. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's weird. Like this sense of, belonging to blackness but connecting so well with the latino community even to Mm -hmm. this day like i started a scholarship and it's for latin or latinx students at msu or students who are involved with the latinx community Mm -hmm. at msu because there were a lot of leadership opportunities that also came from being a part of crew um i know that since um my time at msu president simon left the university and there's a lot of you know, negative press around her. But at the time when I was a student at MSU, it was like very cool to go to the Cowles house and like hang out with President Simon and Mm -hmm. other quote unquote student leaders on campus and to actually make a difference on campus too. We would go and we would have meetings with President Simon and her administration um, um, crew and then the um, black student organization, the Asian student organization, the Native American student organization and other um, kind of DEI student groups, mm. DEI diversity, equity, inclusion for anyone who doesn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, I just like, I'm so thankful for the opportunities I had interacting with the Latinx community on campus that mm. I feel like that's the first community I'm going to give back to. So that's why right now my scholarship is just for students involved in the Latinx community at MSU. Mm. Now that you mentioned, I do think I remember seeing you posting about that on Instagram and I'd completely forgotten about it. So, um, yeah, that's awesome that you 
created a whole scholarship. Um, do you mind sharing what it's called? Yeah, it's just called the McKinney Award. I don't know. It's not creative at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. It's- People need to know who it's from. So, you know, that works. <laughs> yeah, it's just... Um, you know, small now, but you know, who knows, maybe one day it'll be like the McKinney Foundation and I'll have several scholarships. I mean, that's, I mean, that is pretty much ultimately the goal. Um, Like I would like to expand into study abroad scholarships. So everybody, anyone listening, keep your, your ears peeled, stay up to date. Um, (laughs) Probably not anytime very soon, but ultimately that's the goal. Study abroad scholarships, uh, scholarships for black students on campus, um, and who knows, one day I'll even maybe expand to other colleges outside of MSU. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. You have so many ideas and, and plans to, like, pay it forward, you know, in terms of, like, the... Because I'm, I'm sure, like, you know, you're still young. You could just be focused on getting, doing your own thing with your with your master's degree and, and at whatever else that you're trying to get together in your life. So the fact that you thought to even put together a scholarship at this phase of your life... I think is really impressive and shows a lot of a generosity in your part, like shows that you really care. So I think that's awesome. Um, Thank you so much. Yes, of course. I, I'm going to get back to the Mexico thing, but uh, this, <laughs> I just didn't completely understand when you said you were a cool K, what does that mean? Does that mean you're an AKA who doesn't, who isn't like overboard with all the like rules and stuff? Is that what that means? I mean, Kind of more, you know, AKs we can have as stereotype for being, you know, stuck up or just kind of ah, okay. unapproachable. That's just not who I am. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there are so many other things that AKA stands for besides like the stereotype of being persnickety and whatnot. And, you know, maybe sometimes I can. Maybe sometimes I want to be like, give off a bad and bluesy vibe. But (laughs) it's like, that's not, that's not, I don't know. Like, I'm um, very forthcoming. I mean, not forthcoming to the point where it's just like doing too much. But, you know, if, if I have somebody who I think is like, a good person, like good intentions, and they come to me and ask me stuff, like, I'm gonna, you know, give them the information or not like, um, you know, sorority secrets or like information that actually needs to be kept discreet. Uh But, um, you know, like, Oh, let them know, Hey, we're going to have an event. Even just like a a month or two ago, I met a girl who wants to um, do grad chapter. And I'm like, girl, I will, I will be like your, I don't even remember the term. That's another thing. I forget so much. Oh, God, people are going to be so mad at me for this. We're <laughs> here and saying this stuff. Um, but this is my reality. I'm not an undergrad anymore. I'm 28 in a grad chapter, which honestly, there are not a lot of 20 somethings in grad chapters that are active. Hmm. Um, so I'm just doing my best. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I don't, I like to spread the wealth and, um, spread the joy like if somebody wants to be an aka and i feel like they're a good person i'm not gonna try to be all i'm the type of person who can be in something like i can be in the matrix but also critique it (laughs) so i think like i'm very much a part of like greek life but i also have uh you know i have positive things to say about greek life like one of the positive things was that was um one of my first experiences where i was able to connect with black women on 
like a large collective scale. We mm-hmm. had a huge line. We had a line of 104 girls. Um, and oh, is Leticia Giddens? Was she on your line? Yes, yes, yes. I interviewed her yes. a couple years ago. Yeah, Please yeah, I remember. Stop. I seen the oh photo. There's a photo. Y'all were in. Was, I don't even know if it was acres or where y'all were, but y'all were sitting on the staircase and it was just like a, a wall of pink and green with all the oh my people goodness. Oh, you're the, oh, I, what is it? Oh God, I know exactly what you're talking about. That was the first, was it? It was a, it was the stroll off that happened like a few days after we had just come out. And so we, we were all excited. I think I know exactly what picture you're talking about. I thought you were talking about the one where we were in all white in front of, I think it's called Bessie or Kedzie. I don't remember the building names, but um, y'all were definitely like on a staircase. So whichever building that was in. The Wharton. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I know exactly what picture you're talking about. That is so funny. Oh, God, time flies. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry I interrupted you. You were talking about connecting with Black women. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. I mean, that was... You're totally fine. I feel like it was my last effort <laughs> to, like... I don't want to say it was like my... Because, you know, I I feel like when I was younger... I would make an effort to, you know, try to hang out with like the black group and blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. I remember in high school, I, you know, I'm trying to sit at the black table, cool black hotties or whatever they say in Mean Girls. Oh Oh my gosh, the unfriendly black hotties. Yes. Oh my God. So I'm trying to like sit there and our school was actually pretty diverse Mm -hmm. for a school in Michigan in like a random town. um, That's not like Detroit or Grand Rapids or like some big hub. Mm -hmm. And so um, I remember one day I had to like full blown, like cuss one of the girls out because she said something challenging my blackness and it pissed me off. Mm. Cause sometimes when I get really mad, I'm like, bitch, (laughs) I'm half African. Okay. I'm from the motherland. So it's like, there's nothing you can say to me that would make me think I'm not black enough. Mm -hmm. Bitch, I'm from fucking Africa. Okay. (laughs) 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 So it it just like, it bothers me so much. Anyways, I like told her off. And um, that is actually one of the most sincere apologies I've ever had in my life. I cussed her out, I think like first hour and then by like third hour, she was like, I am so sorry. Like, I never really realized, like, kind of like she never realized the effects of, I just never really thought about how hurtful it can be to, you know, like there, there are so many other people who are telling you that you're too black, you mm-hmm. know, yeah. that you want to be able to come to the black community in peace. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Dang, I'm over here telling all my No, it's like, okay. <laughs> no, because honestly, that is like, I was going to ask if if you being African might have had something to do with it. Like if they perceived you as not being, you know, like the rest of us because you're African. Um, <laughs> the way you said it, yeah, that does sound really ridiculous. Like, why would you not be included in that? <laughs> exactly. Because um, it's also, my dad is African and my mom is African-American. My mm. mom was born and raised in Flint, Michigan. Mm. My dad was born and raised in South Africa. So it's like, I get an experience of both cultures. If right. anything, I'm like, 
I am the the what is it the mixing bowl the melting pot the melting that they, pot. they they <laughs> I'm the black melting pot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> anything. Yeah. It's true. It's true. I never understood that either, but I don't know. Everybody has their. We're just ordinary people. We don't know which way to go. Says John Legend. So. John Legend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Yeah. So yeah, you got like uh, both sides of it. You are you exemplify the, the melting pot within yourself. So yes, I was going to ask about when you did your the spring break to Mexico. I know that alternative spring breaks are like volunteer community service based. So. Can you speak to like what y'all were doing during that? Was it like a week? Yeah, spring break is like a week, right? Yeah. So what were y'all doing during that time? So it was really cool. They had different sites. So some students worked with children in orphanages. Um, I personally worked at an elderly person's home with where people had abandoned their elders, which is mm. so sad to me. Um I mean, but see, that's the wonderful thing about study abroad. It just helps you kind of have compassion for other people because, you know, like um, in the U.S. and like Canada and, you know, a lot of other places, we're lucky to where like, you know, there's Social Security, there's Medicare. Um, In Canada, they love taking care of their elderly people. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, there's just so many systems in place where that can be done or you can if you don't want to take care of your family member. You can, you know, put them in a nursing home or something. And maybe in some cult, like I know in Asian culture, that's like a big no-no. That's not ideal. Um, at least that's what I've heard. Um, but, you know, there are lots of nursing homes in America. So I feel like it's less taboo here. But it makes you compassionate for, I mean, not to say that there are not nursing homes in Mexico. I actually have no idea if there are or aren't. Mm. But just kind of the realities of, like, not everybody has the luxury of, like, um, it's a burden to take care of mom as much as I love her. Um, I'm just going to put her in a nursing home or assisted living. Like some people, we have to be compassionate for that was their best option to mm. just leave their family member at the hospital, which is so sad. But yeah, I'm again, I'm getting off track. But essentially, yeah, we went to this home. We washed dishes. We swept and um, mopped and oh gosh, I was such a brat though when I got there because I don't oh, even really? like cleaning. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of a brat. I'm like, oh, I have to do this. Sounds so fucked up, but I was like, damn, I could do this for a week. And then oh, by man. like halfway through the week, I think I said that to myself on Monday, and then by like Wednesday, I was like, no, 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 like I only have to do this for a week. This is like their lives. Mm. So I need to come here. I need to have a good attitude. I need to wash these dishes and mop like my grandparents are living here. Mm. And so I had to have my own little attitude adjustment. Um, And I mean, it it ended up being an amazing time. I remember we had a dance party at the end um, with the elderly people. (laughs) Yeah, it was, you know, we got them like shoes and like one man, he was bedridden. He's like, I just want a radio. We got him a radio so he can sit in bed and like just, he's not just like sitting there all day. You know what I mean? He mm-hmm. can listen to the radio and God, that was, that was fun. But see, like I said, I can be in the matrix and also criticize mm-hmm. it. I, um, on my third study abroad, it was an internship experience, but it was also kind of mine ended up being more of a volunteer experience because 
when you're pre-med in college, there's only so much you can do to help medically. Um, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like you kind of have to do more of a volunteer role as opposed to internships. Yeah. And my paper, um, my, what was it? What do they call it? The final paper you have to do for Madison for oh, your field experience? There's two of them. I don't remember. I know exactly what you're talking about and I don't remember what they're called either. It's yeah, like some sort I of this- assessment or something. I can't remember. I know. I don't remember either. There's like one where I think you just have to talk about the experience. And then there's one where you have to actually like research something mm-hmm. that you did in mine. I, I basically did like, I think a 25 page paper where I fucking ripped volunteerism to shred. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And maybe I felt more sensitive because it was happening in like what I feel like is my home country. Mm-hmm. Like, and so it's like, you know, you see people coming, they come to Cape Town. Oh, Lord. I'm. Oh, God. Okay. I'm not going to harp on this for too long because I want to stay positive because there's so many <laughs> beautiful things about study abroad. And I mean, there's pros and cons to everything because yeah. the reality is that, like, being from America, we are in a position to um, bless people. But I think we also need to humble ourselves and not have a savior complex mm-hmm. either. So it's like finding that balance. But yeah, it's like people would come to the Children's Hospital in South Africa and they're getting tattoos of the whole continent. And I'm like, babe, you've been to like one city and arguably the most touristy, Mm. the whitest city in the entire continent. Okay. Mm. (laughs) It it was just, oh gosh, this is the James Madison in me. It makes you see, like, it just makes you think critically and analytically and maybe a little too much about things. You know? But no, I feel you. I feel you. Gosh, I know exactly what I'm you so mean. <laughs> yeah. But um, on a more positive note, I think that it was nice that some of the things that in um, South Africa that we were able to do for the children, like um, toothbrushes and diapers, oh, that was a thing where... Um, I personally felt like they didn't change the diapers enough. Um, mm. And, you know, they would be like, oh, like, you can change the diaper. And, <laughs> bro, I sound fucking terrible. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm a volunteer, baby. Like, I'm, what are you, like, <laughs> oh, my God. Even now, I don't, I'm just, like, not a fan of, like, bodily fluids. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, I will let you know the baby needs to change, but I'm not going to do it, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, or I'll ask another volunteer who is into that kind of thing to do it. I mean, <laughs> I, everyone has terrible. their limits, right? So, I mean... But also, I just don't like bodily fluids. I can honestly say, I don't think I've ever changed a diaper in my life. Um, clearly, I'm, I'm the baby of my family. <laughs> I'm, I'm an only child, so I also have never uh, changed a diaper. So <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Ugh, why do y'all like to do this? I mean, I guess you have to. You don't, ha- you know, you don't have to like it. You just have to do it. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's hard to explain it in a because people who know me know <laughs> know my heart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like you said, I have my limits. Yeah. Um, the not changing the diapers thing. It was mostly about this. Just not what I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So in, in oh Mexico, God. you were not really, you weren't really happy about the, the cleaning thing. Cape Town, it was, you know, having to change diapers and whatnot. I mean, I can't say those are my favorite things to do either. So I, I can't completely uh, blame you. But, um, you know, I appreciate your honesty and I appreciate that you were at least trying to still 
contribute while you were there. Everyone has their limits. I'm just saying. I'm not. I'm not judging you. It's okay. <laughs> I know, and I shouldn't harp on that because honestly, the majority, like, aside from that, I pretty much did do everything else. It was really easy because they're like they're little cute little babies, mm-hmm. um, or just like young toddler age children. So it's like we mostly just kind of played with them all day, like try to teach them. You know, what if I forgot what they call it, but kind of like age appropriate games. So the younger children, you know, you give them different textures to feel because that's something that's age appropriate for them. Or, you know, for the kid who's like four, he needs something a little more stimulating than just feeling different textured things. So um, we work with them on stuff like that. I did a GoFundMe where we were able to buy tons of diapers. Um, and toys, and um, there was a 13-year-old there also who we got some video games for them. What else? Um, tried to put some public health kind of protocols in place. Like, they were they were having the children use the same toothbrush, or they were using them interchangeably. And I was like, I'm kind of a germaphobe a little bit. I'm not a germaphobe, but I'm kind of, like, germ-cautious. Hmm. And I'm like, absolutely not like we at least i'm not gonna cross the boundary and like demand that from the people at the hospital but from like the other volunteers i'm like absolutely not i don't care if the nurses interchange it but like um you know that you wouldn't do that and you know that the you know like some of these girls were nurses so i'm like you know the health repercussions of that especially if some of the babies have like different things going like in no, we're not doing that. Hmm. So, <laughs> that was the germaphobe in me speaking just now. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah, it was, uh, I still think about one of the, the, I mean, three months, like three months is kind of a long time to like swim with some kids. And then you just kind of all of a sudden have to say bye. Oh yeah. Um, there were three babies in particular who I felt like I really connected with. There was Musa, Inako and then Theolise and I kind of wonder what they're up to and I'm like wow they can talk now they're pro- like Musa is probably like, I think 10 now mm-hmm. um, and then the other two are probably about 7 or 8 years old now so it's like man I you know again we're just ordinary people we don't know which way to go <laughs> so yeah that's a good point like you're there when you're there you do as much as you can and try to form a good rapport with people you're working with or even with the the kids that you're interacting with and then you when your time is up you just yeah yeah I can imagine how that might be disorienting both for you and for the kids to be like oh no no that he's not here anymore like (laughs) maybe they're wondering just how you're wondering what they're how they're doing maybe they remember you and they wonder what you're up to as well um yeah hopefully (laughs) so when it comes to like the volunteer work you were doing in Mexico and the internship, uh, which was also like more volunteer oriented in South Africa, did you get to choose like when you were at the children's hospital? Was that like what you chose, what you wanted to do during your internship? Like, was that where you requested to be placed or was that just what you were assigned and you just made it made it work? No, so uh, luckily with James Madison, they're very good about working with this organization where they set up the internships for us. Mm. So I worked with them. I did interviews. I gave them 
information about myself and what I wanted to learn. And since I I was like all over the place in college, I'm still kind of an all over the place person. (laughs) But in college, I was like James Madison pre-med. And then I wanted to do the French minor thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm going, my life plan was like, oh, I'm going to do Doctors Without Borders and get like an MD, MPH. It's so funny how life just like, does a 180 (laughs) at the time that was my plan so um i wanted to do a public health internship in south africa Hmm. at first they had me at the red cross which i was like oh that's gonna be really cool but then when i got there red cross in south africa was is more disaster relief Hmm. as opposed to public health yeah um and so i had to switch internships after about a week there after a few days and so then that's how i ended up at the children's hospital because that was kind of the closest thing they could do for a public health internship Hmm. okay so in south africa you were in cape town did you say where like where specifically you were in mexico when you were doing that we were in yeah we were in merida mexico okay so you're in merida mexico and then cape town south africa and then, and then London came in between those two, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it seems like you were already up to a lot already, but you know, why did um, you decide to throw London into the mix as well? Oh man, you know what? That's the beautiful thing about study abroad. It's like, if I had to take this class anyways, why don't oh. I do the travel component? Yeah. Like, why would I do the in class? just come and read the books if I can do that. And then they're sending me to London for like not that much money. Cause it was a program that the provost was trying out mm. where um, they subsidized, they were trying to create more affordable study abroad options for students. Mm. So they were kind of testing out this model where, okay, you do, you do like half of the class or like a big chunk of the, I think, yeah, like you do like half of the class on campus and then you complete the other half of the class in whatever country you're going to. So that's what we did for this study abroad. Um, spring semester, my junior year, I believe that was. Um, we would meet, I think, like once a week for like three hours or something. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we took like a month break between um, the end of spring semester. And when we, oh, no, it was only two weeks. We were there from like May 15th to like May 31st or May 30th or whatever. So take a couple weeks off and then go to London. Huh. It was just a cheap, like they subtract, they took off like a thousand dollars off the program. So I think originally it mm. would have been like a $1,900 program. Um, but it, I think I only had to pay like $900 for the program fee, which was nothing mm. um, in comparison to like for where we stayed in London and like our our metro passes and i think the only thing we had to pay for when we were in london was um some of our food and then did we have to pay for our flight i think we i think we had to pay for our flight separately and then um some of our food but it was just kind of like a good deal for a study abroad to stay in this super nice part of london Mm -hmm. for comparatively not that much money yeah okay and and this program was related to social relations and policy of course so do you remember like what like the theme of it was or you know how y'all spent your time during this two-week program 
Yeah, it was really amazing. It was a comparative social policy class. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we learned about U.S. policy, we learned about maternity leave and um, health care and um, food stamps. And we got to compare some of those programs in. I think the countries that we compared to the most were, uh, of course, uh, the United Kingdom, uh, Great Britain, and then Canada. I think we threw in there a few times. We compared education systems. It was actually so cool because um, this might sound foolish, but at the big age of 21, it never even crossed my mind that there are countries where guns are not allowed. Oh, (laughs) man. (laughs) So it's like when we went to, (laughs) I know, right? Well, well, not that that I had one or anything, but. um, No, I'm just saying like, that's just, that's not even your fault. It's just you're American. So you can't, I mean. That's like, bro. There's side so that class, being American. That should be a TV. Show. Is that a thing? Side effects of being American. That is funny. <laughs> that should be a thing because there are so many things that are we don't even realize are kind of like fucked up about this country. Yeah. Which I shouldn't say fucked up because it's like there there's pros and cons to everything, right? Right. But just things like maternity leave, like you know, or even um, like even the gun stuff. Like I remember I was talking to this young British kid, we went to a school for an afternoon or for a morning to just, you know, chat with them about educational policy Mm -hmm. in London, um, in the, in Great Britain. And this one kid, he, we were talking about guns or something. I was like, what? So like, people can't just like buy a gun here. He was like, no, he was like, you only carry a gun around here. If you're like a drug Lord or something, (laughs) I was like, wow. Like, Gosh, that is the beauty of study abroad <laughs> because, yeah. and I remember the way he said it, he was just kind of like, um, the way that I'm like floored, like what? You can't like just go buy a gun. He's probably like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? <laughs> <laughs> Why is she so like thrown off that people just can't willy nilly walk around yeah. with guns? <laughs> and so it's just a funny thing, man. Yeah. Well, um, you know, at least you know now, you learned that it's not <laughs> like it is here with all the guns and stuff. It's not how it is. Um, well, in most of the world, it's not, it's not like that. <laughs> so at yeah. least you, you, knew, you, know, you learned that. So the one of the, the crazy things about when we were in South Africa, girl, it was wild. Okay. <laughs> like, um, you know, there's, before we're going on the trip, they're telling us about safety and this and that. Um, oh God, actually that, oh gosh, what was the shooting? And, and that is terrible that I'm like, which shooting was yeah. it? There's so many, so many, yeah. this, this was when I was in South Africa, the shooting in Florida, I think it was Orlando where they shot up the, the gay club. Yes. Uh, um, Pulse. I think it was, is what it was called. Pulse. Night the, I was Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was in South Africa when that happened. And so it's just like, it's weird. But anyways, I bring up South Africa because um, while we were there, it was also going to be Ramadan. And we got like a, like a travel alert, like, oh, Americans should not go to the mall because they're going to try to do XYZ harm. We were really scared for like a day. And then we were like, mm, this is a little ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. we're fine. And, um, you know, it's so weird with different countries. People will try to, like, push a stigma or, like, a certain stereotype onto people. Because there were some people in the program who 
they're like, yeah, I don't feel safe in South Africa, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you know what? Again, pros and cons to everything. Because I'm like, one of the nice things about being in South Africa is I don't feel like I'm going to be, I don't feel like I'm going to walk into the mall and then there could be a fucking shootout just Mm. for no reason. Just because somebody was mad about their life and just felt like they wanted to do a mass shooting. Or like when when I go to take my public transit, um, I don't feel like anything crazy is going to happen. You know, just stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Again, there's pros and cons to everything, but um, I guess just kind of touching on the guns and stuff. That was kind of nice. But apparently in the UK, stabbings are more common, but you're more likely to survive from like a stab stabbing than like um, getting shot. Yeah, it's a cold and crazy world. Yeah, if I understand what you said correctly, it was it was about to be Ramadan while you were in Cape Town, and you were advised to like not go out because people thought that they would be affronts against Americans during Ramadan. Is that what is that what you said? Yeah, they were like Americans should avoid kind of like big touristy areas. Because they're going to try to like bomb these places during the the month of um, or like the yeah the month long Ramadan um, and it was we were yeah we were like scared we stayed in the apartment that night and then one of the girls on the trip she's Muslim and I remember she was very upset and like mm-hmm. you know they're painting Islam in a bad light right and just kind of like this is supposed to be like a celebratory time and you know there's like this negativity in the air but nothing uh, nothing crazy happened mm. well we got that thing and then like a day or two later we were like why were we all in the kitchen like crying and being <laughs> dramatic <laughs> like but you know what though i should add that there was um like for context oh god th- there something crazy had happened like a week or two before that on the trip mm. so i think we were all just kind of like on edge okay. a little bit Dang, I feel like I'm talking about all the bad. Let me. No, I'm gonna talk. you're just being honest. Like it's okay. Like you, you as you said, it's like pros and cons are like positive pros and, and negative cons to everything. everything. So um, no, I, that's not the impression I get. That you're only talking about the bad things. Do you remember what your accommodations were when you were on your respective study abroad trips? Um, where you were living when you were in, you know, Mexico and and in the UK and in South Africa. Yeah, so in Mexico, we stayed at a hotel. That was really cool. I think it was the Best Western, just like a regular, regular, regular hotel. Mm. And then London, we stayed on um, a campus, like in a dorm, which was really cool because there were students of um, the university that were taking classes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called Regents University, uh, I think yes. is what it was called. Okay. And so we stayed in those dorms. That was really cool. That was such a beautiful campus. It looked like... Bridgerton actually in retrospect <laughs> we had like this amazing bedroom that it was like a three bedroom dorm and it had like a I think it had like a small patio we had like a cool ass room we had the room people would come and like hang out in type thing <laughs> and um I think we were the only group of people who had um three people to a dorm as opposed to two and then I was staying there with like a good friend in the dorm. Um, so it was, yeah, that was really cool. And then in South Africa, we stayed in an actual apartment building. 
which was amazing. I actually saw it listed. One day I was randomly on Twitter and I was like, hey, I like recognize this view. Somebody was advertising the exact apartment mm. that we stayed in on Twitter. And I'm like, this, that is, it, it's crazy. I took screenshots because I'm like, I know that place. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, we stayed in a regular, regular, regular apartment mm-hmm. in city center Cape Town. I see. And I, I was wondering, because, you know, you touched on the fact that your dad is from South Africa, you know, so you have this like direct connection to the motherland. And I assume you had been to South Africa before you did the internship in Cape Town, right? Yes, that's correct. So, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is like on a personal note, in terms of being someone who is South African, like, did it feel any different this time um, when you were there in Cape Town for three months? Did it feel any different compared to previous times? Yeah, it was actually so different. And actually, at first, I didn't want to go to South Africa for my field ex- field experience. What is it? Is that what it was called? Field yes. Ex- mm-hmm. At first, I didn't want to do South Africa because um, I told my advisor, well, you know, I've already been to South Africa. Like, I think at that time I'd been to at that point, I'd been to South Africa like five times in my life already. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been to each city, each like big hub multiple times. And I was like, you know, I don't really know that I like, what can I kind of gain from doing something familiar? Mm. And the advisor, uh, wise as she was, she was like, you know, going by yourself and for three months, it could be like a completely different experience than when you go with your family. And that's exactly how it was. It Mm. was so different because for one, when I go with my, my parents and my brother, it's mostly us just bopping around, hanging out with family we might do like a touristy thing here and there, like go to the apartheid museum or, I mean, I don't even know because we really don't even do too much of that when we visit South South Africa. And so going on the study abroad for one, um, it was different being in Cape Town for so long because most of the time when I go to South Africa, we go to Johannesburg because that's where most of my dad's family is. And so it was different being in like a different part of the country and then um i mean experiencing nightlife i'd never been to like a club in south africa i didn't even really spend that much time um getting to know the people it's so interesting because yeah it's weird like you can go and be in your own bubble when you go to visit with your family but Mm -hmm. i feel like i became more integrated into South African society. I mean, by the time I left, I was saying things like, oh, I'm not really keen on that. Or like, oh, how's it? (laughs) (laughs) And when my my parents came toward the end of the trip, um, we stayed in Cape Town for a few days Mm -hmm. and then we did the garden route and then we stayed a couple weeks in um, Joburg and then we all flew back home together. Mm -hmm. Um, But when my parents initially came to Cape Town, it was so cool because um, it's like, oh, let's go to this place. Like, it was like I was a, not a local, but I'm like, oh, this place has like the best service, the best food, X, Y, Z. Oh, you were like, the tour I guide. Was, <laughs> I was, exactly. And um, I showed them where I did my internship. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the way I would go. This is, um, these are the children who I've been talking about for months. Like, it was really cool. I'm really happy that advisor convinced me that South Africa could be a different experience going by myself because I feel like it made me love the country that much more to the point where 
I'm trying to live a bi-continental life, okay? Mm. Or maybe tri-continental, depending on how my checks become <laughs> with more, like, <laughs> like life experience and whatnot. Mm. But, um, yeah, I would love to live part-time in South Africa. And I think part of that is from my Cape Town experience. Oh, that would be... <sighs> That just sounds like a dream, right? Having a bicontinental or tricontinental. What would what would the other continent be? Girl, you know what's crazy? I, I really want to live in. I've never even been. Um, I have like this vision of like having a home somewhere in Southern California, a home in Camps Bay, which is um, the comparison I always make is Camps Bay in South Africa is kind of like the Malibu of L.A., It's like the mountainous ocean view bourgeois part of town. You like just Google it. Camp Bay, South Africa. (laughs) It's it's gorgeous. And my aunt and her husband just bought a home there. And I was like, yo, it's crazy because it like that's kind of been a thing in my mind, like on my vision board type thing. And to know somebody who has done that thing that I want to do mm-hmm. makes me realize um, this is not an unfeasible, crazy dream. Because people, I feel like sometimes when you tell people stuff, they're like, oh, okay, you want to own three homes. Okay, whatever, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, like, just <sighs> you can do anything, you know, yeah. you put your mind to. And so just knowing somebody who's done that now, it's like, wow, it just makes me feel like if I put in the work, I can do it. But to wrap up that answer, the third place, um, the third place that I would like to have some kind of home, maybe rent an apartment would be Southern France. Mm. Um, just because I love French. I'm very fascinated with French culture. Yeah, I'm actually going to Southern France for the first time this September. Oh, but it's only going to be... Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's only going to be for a day because we're doing a cruise. So I'm going to fly into Barcelona and then we're going to, you know, we're going to stop in Italy and, uh, of course, Spain. And there's one day in France. And so I'm very excited for that one day that we can dock. And I'm going to speak French all fucking day. No Mm. English. (laughs) So I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's so great that you have so many things to look forward to, even in the, um, you know, the near future with your upcoming uh, European travel plans, but also in the, I guess, the long term in terms of your tri-continental life in the future, you know? Yeah, that's really cool. So Southern California, South Africa, and um, Southern France. Do you have a preference for warmer climates? I'm, I'm... Oh, a thousand percent. That's what you (laughs) warm climates and beaches, baby. Like after, you know what? From a young age, I remember being like sixteen years old Mm. and being like, "I cannot stay in Michigan the rest of my life. Mm. Um, It's too damn cold." You know, I have a bit of seasonal affective disorder. Mm. Um, I found that out in high school. I randomly one day was like, you know. I feel like a little, does anyone else feel like they feel a little more like sad in the winter time? Um, and I was so embarrassed because my friends were in AP psych classes. This is before mental health was like a very common place conversation. Um, I'm just trying to relate to people. And my friend who now she's a psychiatrist. It's so funny. Um, she was in AP psych at the time. She's like, oh yeah, there's something for that. It's called seasonal affective disorder. 
I was like, oh my God, not me being diagnosed in <laughs> chemistry class right now. <laughs> I'm embarrassed. Oh <laughs> I'm serious. Mm. So I've, I've always known that like, it's so crazy because I don't even love LA that much. Like I talk so much shit about you know, I don't, people are not nice here. I'm from the Midwest. Like, people are nice in the Midwest. I'm like, I, don't, I fucking hate this place, but then I don't leave. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I thought about moving to New York. I think I would get along with the people better in New York. But I just, I cannot endure the cold, especially after living in a place where it's just, I mean, you walk out in January and you can wear sandals mm-hmm. and... Like maybe a sweater at nighttime depends on what part of LA you're in, but it's just so nice to, I mean, I never have to worry about an umbrella or am I, am I dressed appropriately for the weather? Mm-hmm. I'm always dressed appropriately for the weather. Like It's the same and it's amazing. Yeah. Even for all its faults and people not being nice. <laughs> <laughs> At least you don't have to deal with the perils of winter and, you know, darkness and cold weather and all that stuff. So I get exactly. that. I get it. Um, although, was it winter time when you were in South Africa? If you went through the That summer? is so funny. You should... Yeah, you're absolutely correct. It was South African winter time. Mm. But South Africa is a, a warm climate. Right. It's actually very similar to L.A., except they get a lot more rain. So we went to South Africa. <laughs> we went to South Africa during rainy season, and it poured. Like there was one day where I was walking distance from our apartment, like probably a ten minute walk, but it was raining so hard that I was like, if I try to walk home, my computer is going to be ruined. <laughs> so I had to call an Uber to literally drive me like two minutes up the street, and even the the moments I was in the rain from the door to the Uber. I mean, it was like flooding. It was raining that Mm. badly that day. Um, And it wasn't raining when I left my apartment. Like, it's not like I went out in the rain and was like, all right, here we go. Um, It started raining after I'd gotten to my destination. And I was like, oh, wow, this is, (laughs) this is a lot of rain. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I see. Okay. And, and you mentioned how, um, you know, your parents came to visit you when you were in South Africa, and then y'all all went back to the States together once your time there was done. So I'm assuming they approved of you going there to Cape Town in the first place. Um, I'm wondering if they had any sort of uh, reactions or thoughts about you going to um, Mexico and, and um, to the UK before that? You know what? It's been so long. I don't even remember. Hmm. I don't think they had any reservations. I think with Mexico, um, they felt good about it. I was like, Miko was talking about it and he had an amazing time and they do it every year and, and like this and that. Like, uh, you know, I really want to do it. So they were supportive with that. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything, so the nice thing about the London study abroad, our professor was telling us a lot of people will spend time traveling before, after, or on that weekend break mm-hmm. uh, of the two weeks. And so, I went to Spain for, it was supposed to be four days with my flight. My flights got so messed up that I ended up spending three days in Spain um, before I went to London for the study abroad. And my parents were a lot more concerned about that Mm. because I was essentially kind that was kind of my first solo travel experience. Mm, Yeah. And it's, 
a weird thing because it's not it wasn't really like solo that friend who i was who i mentioned who's a psychiatrist um my friend lana she was in spain at the time so basically what happened was i told lana oh i'm going to london in may and she's like wait what i'm going to spain in may um and i was like well i've been looking for like travel options either before or after the trip mm-hmm. um and it worked best for her if i came before and so I was like, okay, I'm going to go to Spain for a few days and then I'll go to London. And um, even though, so in that sense, my friend was in the city, but we only spent like an afternoon together. Mm. So the other days I was there, I kind of just bopped around and <laughs> bought souvenirs and ate food and like lived my life, learned a little bit of Spanish. Oh my gosh. That was another thing about Mexico. Again, being American, oh my gosh, side effects of being American, okay? <laughs> like, you should, that should be like a subsect of your, your pot. <laughs> that is fun. You should do that. But, um, I, Mexico was the first time I ever went to a city where people, like, really did not speak English. Like, mm-hmm. if you didn't speak Spanish, you were fucked, mm-hmm. which was part of the reason why the trip was arranged where a lot of these um, migrant background, Mexican, um, ethnically, and Spanish-speaking students would go on this study abroad. And um, so it was like we were in groups of, I think, like four or five, and there had to be at least two Spanish. Like, basically, you weren't allowed to go anywhere if you didn't have somebody who spoke Spanish with you. And it it was a humbling experience. I was like, wow, like I, I couldn't even order a hamburger. I went to Burger King, and I didn't even know how to say, like, no tomatoes, no onions. Yeah. And so fast forward a little over a year later when I was in Spain, I was so proud of myself. I bought so many souvenirs, um, or not even so many. It was more just, um, it was a small box, but I was like, I don't have the space in my luggage to bring this stuff back to the U.S. with me. So I'm going to ship it back to America. And so I, I like went to the post office. I said everything in Spanish. And I was like, wow, um, this is so much progress from like almost a year ago Mm -hmm. um, where I couldn't even order a hamburger in Spanish like a year or so prior. But now I'm like sending off a package in Spanish and I have like a little book. It wasn't like it was great Spanish, but I was able to communicate like, oh, like. I, like, I want to send this to the U.S., like, Cuanto Cuesta, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. That is cool. Handling the post office, I feel like a lot of times it's the day-to-day things that can seem really intimidating to people, especially doing it in a different country in a different language. And I feel like the post office is one of those things from, what, like, just stories I've heard people tell. So the fact that you were able to do that in Spanish, that is really impressive. I mean, I had a little book. I, you know, I'm not yeah. going to take all the credit. Right. But, like, but you got your point was, across, you know. So um, yeah, it was it was cool. It made me feel like independent, and yeah, I guess that's that's one of the positives of study abroad as well. Like you gain a sense of independence. I think, especially if you do a solo travel kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm, for sure. For sure. You know, you were saying how your initial plans when you're when you were in undergrad were to you were like pre med, and the internship in Cape Town was focused on public health. So like, uh, you know, you wanted to go in that direction, and 
um, even do Doctors Without Borders and all that. And now you are going into marketing. Um, so I was just wondering, you know, how did you get from point A to point B in terms of like changing your mind about what you wanted to do with your life? How did that happen? Ooh, Lord, you know what? It's so crazy because it's still a journey to be continued. Mm-hmm. But um, gosh, you know what? I feel like when I went into college, deep down, I knew that I didn't want to go to medical school. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you're young and especially because I come from a family of doctors. So it's like, you know, that's why I say like, you know, my family is not particularly, they weren't particularly impressed when I got my bachelor's degree. They're like, all right, when are you going to do the master's or like the doctorate? (laughs) Like your rinky dink bachelor's degree. That's not worth shit. That's like literally the attitude of my family. Oh my goodness. (laughs) And so it's funny, but, um, I, yeah, deep, that's why I feel like I was so all over the place. Cause I'm like, I love French and like, I like people and I love equality. So I want to do SRP or social relations and policy, but you know, I'm, I'm, I want to be able to make money. Like that was one of my biggest struggles in college. Like I, I remember I used to always say like, it seems like any job that you do where you care about people, mm-hmm. it does not get paid a lot. Oh, Teaching, yeah. social work. Even like cops and stuff like that, depending on, I mean, I know we have, there are some, let, I'm, I'm from a town where the cops are nice. Okay. So it, it depends town to town. Mm. Um, but I come from like a kind of smallish town where, you know, people know like, oh, that's officer Thede, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, you know, just jobs like that, like people that are like of service to the community, they just don't get paid a lot. And it's crazy to mm-hmm. me. And so um, I really struggled with that. I stayed pre-med. Um, and then when I graduated, um, I moved to L.A. Well, first I worked a public health job. And I was like, I fucking hate this. I hate <laughs> research. And it was so weird. I never took the MCAT. I took all of the pre-med classes. Waste of fucking money. Oh, oh my God. God. I took all the pre-med classes. I never took the MCAT. I never did research over the summer. And all of those things should have been an indication to me that like my heart was not in it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I was trying to make my heart in it, you know, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I did that, that program or that um, my first job is working in public health. And I'm like, bro, when we, at first we were doing events stuff and that was wonderful. That was fun working with people. But then when we transitioned to doing like pretty much all research stuff, like I, I was like literally depressed, mm-hmm. like didn't want to go to work. But I loved doing like the, um, what do you call those? Focus groups. Cause that would, we would be like working with people then. Yeah. Um, and so I moved to LA. I realized, okay, I think I want to work in travel or like in an international student office. So I was applying for those jobs. Um, I got my big break at Hosteling International mm. USA, the Santa Monica location. Wow. Shout out to, uh, Kim. She, like I really appreciate Kim for like taking the chance on me. If you can't tell, I kind of have a gregarious personality. <laughs> I mean, that's what some people would say. I feel like gregarious is like a negative connotation, but um am I gregarious or are you boring? <laughs> you know <what> <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> Thanks. And so it's like 
I shout out to Kim for taking a chance on me. And I did like events work. And of course, with events, there's a bit of marketing. So I was starting to realize, wow, like I really like this marketing thing. Like I think I like just, I love people. I'm a very people oriented person. Mm. And I like thinking about the way people think. My therapist says I'm a highly sensitive person. So it's like, you know, just little things like, oh, when when people advertise for food, red is a color that's associated a lot with, I think, um, increasing your appetite. Mm. So that's why like the McDonald's, I think red and yellow in particular are like associated with like food. So like color psychology, blue is like calming. So that's why like, um, and I think even social green people think like health, eco-friendly, mm. yellow is like happiness and um, just stuff like that was so interesting to me. And then I, the pandemic happened. I got furloughed from the hostel, of course, because it's a travel job in a time uh, when people were yeah. so afraid to travel. So I got the job that I have now. And um, because it's, I work for a university, I'm able to go to school, school for relatively cheap, mm. um, almost free. And so I was like, you know what? I have an interest in this. Um, I didn't even realize how much I actually wanted to go to grad school until the opportunity for it to be almost free mm. was presented to me. Cause I used to be like, school is a waste of money, blah, blah, blah. But then when it was like, oh, you telling me I only have to pay like a minimal amount to get a master's degree? Mm -hmm. Oh, sign me up. Yeah. Which program do I want to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, um, that's, yeah, how I made that transition. That was long-winded, but essentially uh, to summarize, I kind of always knew deep down that I didn't want to be a doctor, but I stayed with it and tried to stick with it so that I could have like a stable life. Mm -hmm. But then as I kind of grew up and became more independent and fully an adult, I was like, I have to be responsible for my life. I have to wake up and go to work and enjoy my job every day. Yeah. So I need to do what makes me happy. Mm -hmm. So that's how I got my first job doing um, events for travelers. And then now I do events in marketing and I'm transitioning to strictly marketing very soon here, hopefully. I see. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, from what I, from what I'm hearing, it's like you were always trying to do like people centered work, but you just didn't realize at first that like the medical field or public health wasn't it. And now you're, you're still doing people centered work, but now it's in um, marketing, like you said. So it's just a different feel, but it's like the same, the same interest in people that is like driving you um, even throughout all these different changes. Yeah. And it's uh, it's so crazy because I have so many different like interests and whatnot. So it's like sometimes I don't know. My interests are ever mm -hmm. evolving, um, but I feel like the older I get, the more I get a sense of like constants in my life. Like I love travel. I love languages. Those are forever constants. I love makeup. I love singing. So I'm trying to figure out like where does that all fit into also making a mm -hmm. living for myself. So yeah. Yeah. To be determined, yeah. But um, exactly, you know, you're in a good place. From what I can tell, it seems like you're in a good place and on the verge of this really huge accomplishment. That's um, with grad school and everything. So yeah, you know, I, I appreciate when people are able to recognize that they're multifaceted and and don't try and like narrow themselves down. I I think it's refreshing that you're trying to figure out how you can express all parts of yourself, you know, instead of just trying to like fit into one mold, you know? 
yeah, so I'm sure you'll figure out what's best for you as time continues to go on. Uh, so you said your your degree is through ASU. So was that like all remotely? Like is your grad program remote? All, okay. all online. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yes. You. <laughs> so you mentioned that you um, you know, you have your bike, your tricontinental dream, and you mentioned you know South Africa and and the south of France. Are there any other places in the world that you really would like to visit or spend more time in in the future? I don't know if you have like a list or bucket list or anything like that of travel destinations, but there there are literally so many. Um, I haven't been able to travel as much as I've wanted to the last few. I mean, of course, the pandemic, but even prior to the pandemic, I was like, man, I got to get out of the country again, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I, I've never been to Asia. I want to go, me and my friends talk about going to Japan. That did not happen. <laughs> and so even, um, I want to explore other countries in Africa, like, um, oh, I've been to Swaziland. I forgot, but I kind of don't count Swaziland because it's a landlocked country mm, within right, South yeah. Africa. I mean, on a passport. Yeah. It's, I've been to two countries in Africa, but you know, um, <laughs> And so I would like to explore the continent more. Um, I've done a lot of travel to Europe, but mostly like Western Europe. I would love to do Eastern Europe. I've never been to South America. I'm really just mm-hmm. trying to go everywhere. Like I like that would be, I don't know that I'm the type of person who's like, I want to hit every continent. I don't need to see mm-hmm. Antarctica. <laughs> like I just said, I'm not like, I'm a warm weather mm-hmm. person. So yeah, if I had to pick one place where I would like to go next, it would probably be somewhere in Asia. Because also in LA, you can get like cheap tickets from here to oh, Asia, and it's not yeah. super far. Yeah. I feel like I shouldn't say not super far, but it's closer than if I were right. coming from Michigan exactly. to Asia. I had a friend one time who said that um, she's from China, and she went to MSU also, and she was working in the Bay Area. And she said that she flew home to China for two hundred and something dollars. Oh. I was like US wow. US dollars. And I was like Luna. I know. I was like Luna. Are you sure? And she was like, Yeah, because she's like, there's apparently there's a big population of Asian people in Northern California, mm-hmm. like the Bay Area. So she was like, they have the demand for it, and then. Um, I think it was like a time of year when it maybe not a lot of people were traveling or something, or it was kind of like a random find. But I was like two hundred something dollars to fly across yeah. the ocean. Right. Sign me up. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully, uh, I hope you do get to go to Asia and everywhere else that you have in mind. Like you said, trying to go everywhere. But yeah, definitely being on the West Coast—that's a huge advantage in terms of flying across the ocean to get to Asia. So that's awesome. Um, You know, thinking about your own study abroad experiences, do you have any advice for someone who, well, first of all, do you have any advice for affording those things? I don't know if you did anything in particular to afford to be able to go on those trips, but yeah, any financial advice for being able to afford those things? And also just more generally, um, do you have any advice um, or like major takeaways for people who want to study abroad or just travel more? Yes. So I love giving advice. So this is going to be long winded okay. strapped in. 
And so um, speaking up for the financial piece, um, you know, you're probably young. Don't be afraid to do a GoFundMe. Um, like, you know, at, what is it you have not because you ask not? Don't be afraid to ask your family and friends to like, I really want this cultural experience. Like, it would be very appreciated if you could support in any kind of way. Because it is expensive to study abroad, especially the longer you're abroad. Like, you got to pay for transportation and food. Um, of course, scholarships. I So like I said, for my London study abroad, that was a subsidized program from the university. My program to South Africa, I got a small scholarship. But there was a girl on the trip who her entire program mm. fee was paid for. Um, I think our program fee was like, it was just over $2,000. It was one of the cheaper internship study abroads. Thailand and South Africa were the cheapest ones um, of the the extended study abroad programs that did internships. And so I always tell young people who are in school that going in a study abroad is one of the few times in your life where somebody will yeah. pay you to travel. Because, you know, you'll have opportunities when you're older to maybe go on work trips and stuff like that. But going on a work trip is just not the same as like, you're going on a study abroad, like, you know, you're going out, you're exploring. And sure, you can do that when you're a working professional, but it's just going to be, it's just going to be a completely mm -hmm. different experience. Um, doing it as a student, carefree, you probably have less to worry about than you do as like a, a full blown mm -hmm. grown up. What else? I had one friend who she said that um, she worked at a very popular cafe waitressing up north in Michigan. And she said she would make like $10,000 mm. um, over like three months, which when you're in college, that's a, like a really mm -hmm. good amount of money. Um, and so well, even as a grown up, <laughs> it's a good <laughs> amount of money. But as, when you're in college and you and you make $10,000 in like three months, you're like, bitch, I'm rich. <laughs> like, you know? And so, um, yeah, just emphasis on scholarships. Like, don't be afraid to do a GoFundMe. Like, apply for every scholarship. Like, talk to the study abroad office. Ask mm -hmm. them about scholarships. Especially if you're a student of color, there are a lot of people out there who um, want to advocate for our communities. Like, ask. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask. Um, but then in terms of other advice, oh, my gosh. There aren't much one of the first things I would say is don't let the people on your trip affect your experience. Mm. Um, because I went, when I went to London, I kind of had like a bad attitude because I didn't really gel with some of the people on the trip. That was for sure. Like the only study abroad where it was like this weird kind of like clicky mm. energy. Like I remember one day we were going somewhere on a train and we turned the corner and the group had gotten onto the train and just left the rest of us behind. And I was like, mm. you know, I don't like that. That's we're in right. a different country. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. I'm I'm like thinking about somebody got cussed out in our group <laughs> chat for doing that. OK, like that. I, mean, that's I, I can't blame you. I can't, I can't blame you for that. So. <laughs> yeah, because so, it was just like, bro, we're like, oh, and, you know, I have such a fondness and a soft spot for traveling because my cousin he was murdered when he did like a solo mm. trip to thailand um the day after his 26th yeah. birthday we still don't really know what happened to him um I'm so sorry but it's it just it's okay um but it's kind of just like safety 
Uh, I guess that's another thing I'm hitting on. Um, you know, even in South Africa, it's like, you can be somewhere for a long time, but never forget that you mm-hmm. are still a tourist. Like you being there for like a year or a few months, like don't ever get so comfortable that you don't forget that to certain people you stand out and become a target because they yeah. know that you're not from there. So that's one thing I would say. Um, be open to experiences, like try things that you normally wouldn't. Um, <laughs> oh my God. That's another thing. People be cheating on vacation. I've, like I said, I've worked <laughs> in a hospital and I've done several study abroad. Uh, my mom calls it keeping a string on your potato. Uh, if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, okay, listen up. You may want to have a com. I'm being no, I, dead ass serious because people be fucking no, cheating I, I when they go on vacation. Yeah, I, have I have seen it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's like you if you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, you may want to have a conversation with them and say, "Are we gonna be in a?" There was a girl who did that in South Africa. Mm-hmm. She was open. Uh, she and her boyfriend agreed that they would have an open relationship for the three months that we were abroad, and I think that that really worked for them. And I think it was super mature of them to have that conversation and just acknowledge that you know like you're abroad you want to try new things even if that includes trying things like sexually um or like maybe dating in a way that you haven't before you know of course you're going to be around all different types of people who maybe you've never been around before and so just being open to trying things um what else gosh and you know that was the last thing i was going to say about the money Think of paying for study abroad as an investment because you might be thinking a lot about the money up front, but the experiences you're going to have are going to be unforgettable, um, whether they're good or bad. Um, But most of the time, they're going to be really positive experiences, Mm -hmm. right? That will probably encourage you to want to travel more. And then also um, when you search for jobs and stuff, once you finish undergrad, People are going to ask you about that. And I mean, everybody always wants to know about my, uh, oh, like you study abroad three times. Like, tell me about it, even in jobs where it doesn't necessarily even relate Mm. or matter. So it's an investment in yourself. Think Mm, of it that way. That's an excellent point. Yeah. Yeah. I I was going to say, yeah, sorry. sorry. One more thing. No, no, not letting people affect your trip. I really want to harp on that because, um, I feel like I had a bad attitude when I was in London. And then the last few days, I kind of recognized, like, God, like, um, you know, I don't really gel with the some of the people who are on the trip. But, like, that's foolish to waste my time and money. Like, I'm mm-hmm. in London. Like, don't waste time being, like, irritated with people and this and that. Like, if you have to, like, I remember I spent a whole day where I just went around town by myself. Because I was like, you know, it's my last few days and I'm not going to, I'm not going to remember this trip in like a negative way because I didn't vibe right. with certain people. Like, <laughs> that's stupid. Um, and even when I worked yeah. at the hostel, ironically, I met a British girl who she was having a terrible time in America. She wanted to go back to the UK. And I kept trying to tell her, I'm like, I know, like the stuff you're going through, it's annoying. Like, you want to go home? But I'm like... You have to be present. I yeah. think that's what I'm getting at. Like, be present. You're you're doing something that a lot of people can't even do. A lot of people in the world can't just get up and mm-hmm. go to another country. There's visas that have to be involved and just, like, even having the funds 
to do so. Like, yeah, just be present, be safe, try new things, and keep a string on your potato. <laughs> okay. I've never heard that expression before. Um, so you just taught me something new in addition to all the other things I've learned since listening to you. But um, yeah, that's real. People do, um, like you said, people do have other things they they explore um, <laughs> when they when they're... which is fine. Like I'm a very I'm a very like pro sex person, so I'm mm-hmm. like that's fine to do, but don't have somebody at home who thinks that you're yeah. being loyal to them and you over here fucking some bitch you just met like that's not cool like yeah i'm sorry just be honest about it cheating pisses me off and i get it like some things happen spontaneously but sometimes i just be looking at cheaters like if you would dog out the person especially if it's like a very Mm -hmm. serious relationship like there's talks of marriage or they are married i just feel like if you could dog out your person who you're wanting to spend life with you would dog Mm -hmm. me out so easily Like, you know what I mean? So, and maybe that's judgmental of me, but I just, I just really don't (laughs) like cheating because it's, I just really don't like it. Like, just be mature and be like, I want to do something strange for a piece of change or maybe not for a piece of change, but I want to do something strange while I'm on vacation. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's my -hmm. humble opinion, but I hear you. I hear you. Um, yeah. I know you said you had to go, so I won't hold you any longer. My last question I had was, uh, where can people reach you or keep up with you online if you would like them to do so? Yeah, you know, it's so funny because I'm kind of going through a life change. Um, so I've deactivated my mm-hmm. social media for now. But you can, if you do want to keep up with me at some point when I do come back on IG, I have my Instagram tag in my dog's mm. social media. So her social media. So I'm just laughing because she's just <laughs> such a cutie pie. And if you follow us, you'll see that she's like, I mean, she's over here sleeping right now. We just went on uh, a long walk and she's just living her Aww. best little life. Okay. I'm it's adorable. rambling. <laughs> hey, big mama. <laughs> so she's, come here. Oh, Aww. my big baby. But, um, you can find us at Soleil the Pup. So it's S-O-L-E-I-L the okay. Pup. Soleil the Pup is your dog's account and your uh, account is also <laughs> tagged in that. And so people maybe can look to, can follow your dog and, and hope maybe look forward to seeing more from you, you know, once you decide to come back. But in the meantime, I'm sure Soleil will be more than enough. Yeah, this has been... Really great. Thank you for making the time to talk to me once again. I uh, appreciate that and uh, your patience with the delays and stuff. I'm really glad, um, even though we have crossed paths in the past, I'm really glad that we got to sit and talk on this occasion. You know, um, it was really great learning more about you. So thanks again for talking and sharing and <laughs> being so open. Thank you so much. Thank you yeah. for having me. This was so fun. <laughs> and I, talk a lot but hopefully you're able to draw some good content from there and hopefully the people who are listening like um, oh you did hopefully i said something insightful or at least at the very least i hope if you're on the border of studying abroad mm. this is your sign to do it do it mm. make Amen. it work Amen. you won't regret it <laughs> okay well i will let you enjoy the rest of your day um <laughs> oh i should have told that story sorry i know i, I oh my god 
I had, okay. oh God, okay, this is the last thing I'm going to say. <laughs> and then I'm going to go, I'm sorry. But no, actually in London, that I have a picture in front of um, Buckingham Palace mm-hmm. um, at like three in the morning. Or no, 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 it wasn't three in the morning. I think we got home at like two or three in the morning. But um, it was our first day in London. Everybody's fucking tired and being lame because everybody had been traveling before, like, or most of us had been traveling before. So people are like, okay, it's the first day, but we're tired. And me and my friend, John, well, we weren't really like friends at the time, but we became friends. We were the only two people who were like, no, we're like, we're only here for Mm. two weeks. We're going to go out and do something today. So we get on a train at like, I think 10 or like 11 at night. And then um, we get off and we're in the area where you can see like the London eye and big Ben. Um, I don't, I, I know for sure we were in the area by like the parliament and big Ben. So um, downtown Abbey and like or all those Mr. little, Abbey? what do you call it? Downtown Abbey or oh God, maybe, maybe that's what it was. Mm-hmm. It's close to the big Ben parliament thing. Um, just in like that really big touristy area. And so we saw like a portion Ooh. of James Bond being filmed, like in that one scene where they're going down yeah. the, um, what is it? The Thames? Is that, I always get that confused with, I think the, <laughs> the Seine and then the yeah. Thames. London, one's in yeah. France, one's in the UK. <laughs> but yeah, but um, we, cause we see a helicopter flying and they're like shooting mm. part of that scene. Daniel Craig was not there. Um, but this, yeah, at the end of one of those James Bond movies where, He's in the river. We saw part of that happening. And then we tried to go home and we realized that um, the trains at that time stopped running at midnight or like the train that we needed to get back home. I think the trains, hmm. the tube shuts down at midnight, I think, or something, which seems that doesn't seem right now that I'm saying that. But also food closed at 10 o'clock over hmm. there for most places. So it's just different. Anyways, so then it's like we we basically saw all the big sites. Like we see Big Ben. We... Um, see like the yeah Westminster Abbey mm-hmm. or downtown Abbey or <laughs> something Abbey we literally walked from like there back to Regents which I don't even know how long of a walk it was we kind of I think got sidetracked and saw other things but we ended up coming across Buckingham Palace completely empty I have a picture from childhood in front of Buckingham Palace mm-hmm. but it's like littered with other tourists and so <laughs> it was cool to get like this one picture yeah. where it's literally just me so shout out to john for like being Mm -hmm. adventurous and being like let's just do this and that Mm -hmm. was a cool 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 time oh damn i didn't even talk about (laughs) homesickness oh sorry i could talk for forever okay think about home okay this really is the last no it's okay sorry my friends are waiting i just i don't want to cut into your Um, plans but no i'm i'm good i'm happy to listen to whatever you have to say but yeah you were saying homesickness yeah homesickness okay it's normal Um, But you just have to push through because this sounds so weird because it was a very mundane day. But one of my favorite days in Cape Town was just I just went with two of my friends to a karaoke bar and then like a kind of rooftopy situation bar. Ting Ting. Oh, my gosh. We love that place. It's like T-J-I-N-G, T-J-I-N-G. I think that's how you spell it. Um, they have like really good drinks and anyways, but, um, I remember I, okay. So like I said, I became an AKA and the yard show was going to happen. And then mm. I found out that like practice was going to be while I was still on study abroad because I wasn't set to come oh, back until okay. after 
like after classes started, like um, yeah. I didn't come back until Labor Day. So classes had already started. And so I was like, oh, I want to go home. Like, I want to be part of the yard show. Like, you know, I'm only going to be on campus on the yard for like one more semester, blah, blah, blah. And my parents were like, we are absolutely not changing your flight um, because you want to do the fucking yard show. Like, no, that's dumb. <laughs> and, so, and so I ended up staying and I'm like, bro, I just want to go home. And then the day that I had like the day that in my mind, I was like, OK, I'm going to I need to fly home this day so I can be back in time to do yard show practice. Um, on that day was one of the best days that I had, like the homesickness went away. I remember of feeling integrated into like South African society. Like that was maybe one of the first moments where I mm. felt kind of local or like I had adjusted to mm-hmm. like being there. It didn't feel like I was traveling so much anymore. Um, and it was super just mundane doing karaoke and, and sometimes I think about, wow, like all the fun things towards yeah. the end of the trip that I would have missed out on had I gone home. I swam with, um, I didn't swim with mm-hmm. them. No, no, ma'am. I did the shark cage diving, um, you know, saw more of my family. The, I mean, you got to push through the homesickness and like remind yourself yeah. that um, it's just temporary and kind of like almost the best Mm. way to get over it is to try and integrate yourself more. Like don't isolate because you're homesick, like get out there and kind of do Mm. what you would do if you were home, but in this country. It's very true. Homesickness can, can crop up even if you don't expect it to. So if you can like push through and just like hold out to see the other side of things, you will experience a whole bunch of things that you might've missed out on. Otherwise, um, if you would, left too soon so yeah i will let you go because i know you had plans but i really do um i really enjoyed getting to talk to you and learn more about you and um i'll be in touch uh i hope you and soleil have a great rest of your day okay (laughs) bye all right y'all there it is thanks to naledi for being such a wonderful guest And I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook and at YG Abroad on Twitter. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to Young Gifted and Abroad wherever podcasts are. And you're welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you leave ratings and reviews. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for the next episode in two weeks, provided that all goes according to plan, (laughs) the guest of that episode will be a guy it's been a while since we've had one of those on the show right (laughs) who did four or five study abroad programs in africa and asia so you can look forward to hearing all about that in two weeks but until then thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time